Well, guys, we have come to the end of our series. Today is the last day. Uh, this has been an 11-week series. We started this back at the beginning of October, uh, and it's kind of a long series. We don't typically do that long of a series, but we did this time. And I, I hope that this series has helped you and given you something to focus on and apply in your life. Uh, I know it has for me. Um, I will say that this will be something that we will be working on for the rest of our lives. Um, always perfecting holiness in our lives. Um, I, I need to remind us of this because this is a lifelong pursuit. And bit by bit, we take on the image of Christ. Bit by bit, we start to act and think and talk and live like Jesus in our lives. Like it says in a verse in 2 Corinthians, it says this, it goes, And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect God's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory. Bit by bit, we're taking on the likeness of Jesus. And, and guys, that is our goal in all of this. And as I just said, we never stop. We never take a break. We, we never take a vacation from choosing to follow Jesus. Now, if you remember, this entire series kind of emanated, it came from my, my time up in the mountains of Arizona. And uh, it was a time where God kind of grabbed hold of my face and lovingly but sternly made me see how my life had kind of veered away from this very thing, where I had let the busyness and the stresses and the realities of life distract me from my walk with God, and it was taking a toll on me. And if you remember, God pointed out a tree when I climbed to the top of that mountain. God pointed out a tree to me and said, Luke, that's you. That's what your life looks like. You may think you're this big, huge log on the top, but on the, the bottom, you are crumbling. You are burnt out. You're ready to topple over. And, and as I said, very lovingly, but very directly, God warned me that if I didn't address this in my life, I would very soon topple over like thousands of other Christians and other pastors in our world today. And guys, it scared the tar out of me. And over the next few days on that mountain, God systematically pointed out each dimension of my life and where it was lacking in holiness. And I'm not going to lie, it was hard, but it was so very good because I did not want to be that tree. And what I didn't tell you is that about the fifth day of my time on the mountain, I was walking along the stream, spending some time with Jesus, and, and I was admiring the trees growing up high into the sky, and I, I started looking at this one tree and when I saw this tree, the verses in Psalms 1, 1 through 3, came to mind. Now, many of you have been through Discipleship 1. You know these verses, so I'm going to ask you to quote it out loud with me, kind of putting you on the spot here this morning. So let's quote it together, all right? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Verse 3. This is the verse that really popped in my mind. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. 
And as I was just gazing at that tree and looking at that tree, I was meditating on this verse because this tree was exactly what this verse is talking about. Here I am in the middle of a desert in Arizona, and here was this tree literally planted a foot away from the stream, sucking up the nutrients of the soil and the water day in and day out for years and years and years. And this tree was beautiful, and it was huge. And I thought to myself, that's the kind of tree I want to be. Not the dead, burnt out one. No, I want to be the one who is planted by streams of water, bearing fruit in season. My leaves don't wither. Whatever I do prospers. And guys, that's the kind of tree that I want for all of us. I'm I'm tired of Christianity being this kind of tree. We, We need Christianity to represent this kind of tree. Amen? And that's what I desire for the family here at Whitestone. We want to be a church that exemplifies the truth in Psalms 1, 1 through 3. And so that's how I thought I would end today. I thought I would end by simply describing what the life of a follower of Christ who is planted by streams of water would literally look like in everyday life. What would the dimensions of that kind of person's life look like? And, and what I hope to do is kind of to present the picture or a vision of what our lives can and should look like as we take on the character of, tri- uh, of Christ. And guys, right in the onset, I'm going to say this. I do not want this sermon to be discouraging. I do not want you to hear what we're talking about today and just like, oh my word, I have so far to go. I'm way down here. That's way up there. My word, I'm just discouraged. Because that can be a tendency to happen. It's like working out. Those of you guys who go to the workout gyms and to the Y, you know how it is. You show up there and you're like, all right, New Year's resolution, I'm going to work out. And you get up there and there's this ripped dude and the you know, tank top and he's like, and his pipes are huge, six-pack abs, and he's got huge quads and he's in the mirror. And usually they're the loudest people in the gym and everybody's looking at him. And you're kind of like chubbily walking around, you know. Like, oh my word, that's, uh, I, I look like this and he looks like that. I'm such a loser. I don't want to even do this. And, and that's why I work out alone because I'm, I'm in my garage and I'm the best looking guy in the garage. I'm the most chiseled guy in the garage. But you know what? We shouldn't look at him and be discouraged. We should look at a person like that and go, that's what I could be like if I keep training and keep applying myself. And so honestly, Instead of letting this sermon discourage you, I I want it to encourage you. I want it to inspire you. Um, I want it to be a vision that you can look at and go, I want that. My my son started working out a couple years ago um, to get ready for football. And so he bought this huge poster of Arnold Schwarzenegger and he hung it up in his room. You know, where Arnold's like, you know, and he's got huge pipes. And it was like, it was an inspiration for him. It was like, I, I want to work out hard so I can get big like that. It was something he looked at every day. And that's what we need to do. We need to look at the vision that Christ has made it possible for us to live. And we aim for it. So, what do people who are like trees planted by streams of water look like? That's what we want to talk about today. Well, first off, these kind of people are not perfect. Okay, let's just get that right off the start. They are not perfect. Of course, they're not perfect. But I will tell you this. These kind of people, they aim for perfection. 
You know, I think in Christianity, what we've done is we've settled for mediocrity. We've settled with, oh, there's no way I can do that, so I'm just going to settle down here and I'm going to wait for heaven because then everything will be good and I'm just going to kind of gut through life. No, that's not what true followers of Jesus Christ do. People who are planted by streams of water, they are like what Paul says, they aim for perfection. That's the bar they're aiming for. And I'll tell you, these guys are remarkably changed. They are remarkably different than the whole world. And you know what? Their difference isn't some outward thing as if they, you know, what they do, dress different, they do their hair different. No, it is an inward difference. Followers of Christ who are planted by streams of water are different from the very depths of their being. They're different at the very core of who they are. For instance they begin to take on the mind of Christ. And that can mean a lot of things, but for one thing, it means that they have a transformed thought life. These kind of people have a transformed thought life. Quite simply, these kind of people, they think constantly about God. God is never out of their mind. When they wake up in the morning, God is on their mind. When they they go to work, God is on their mind. When they come home, God is on their mind. When they go to bed, God is on their mind. They're constantly thinking about them. When they they walk into nature and they see the handiwork of God, they just begin to adore Him. These people meditate on the truths of Scripture and the revelations that Scripture presents and they they meditate on it day and night just like we we quoted in Psalms 1-2. You could say that these guys are God-intoxicated. You know, I had an uncle, Uncle Ray. He was a plumber he would, what, he would be what I would call God-intoxicated. He always talked about God. And as a young teenager, you should drive me nuts when I was around him because, he, you know, I don't want to talk about football and all these other things. And he'd be like, yeah, let's talk about God and Jesus and all sorts of stuff. But as I got older, I began to appreciate Uncle Ray because there wouldn't be five minutes that would go on in a conversation and he would steer it back to God. And he'd be like, well, look, that's just pretty cool. Hey, look, have you ever thought about Ephesians chapter 5 where it says be imitators of God? What does that mean to you? Look, you know, answer this question for me. Why do you think that God doesn't want us to curse? Have you ever thought about that? Luke, how, how is your spiritual life going? How are you doing in your thought life? He would just constantly be wanting to talk about Jesus and to talk about God. Uh, my uncle Ray died a couple years ago. And a bunch of people got up to speak at his funeral, and guess what every single one of them said? Uncle Ray always did what? Talked about God. Everybody knew that about Uncle Ray. He was God-intoxicated. These kind of people don't dwell or think about evil. It's rarely on their mind, except maybe how to eradicate it from their lives. But evil doesn't scare them. It doesn't intimidate them. They know that evil is defeated. It will not win. Now another important reality about these kind of people's thought life is that because their mind is always centered on God, all other good things are welcome there. They allow their minds to think on these things. Like that verse in Philippians. Remember a couple weeks ago? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. 
So if it's true, then yeah, they're going to be thinking about it. If it's noble, then yeah, they're going to think about it. If it's right and it's pure and it's lovely and it's admirable, then yeah, they're going to allow their thoughts to dwell on such things. If it's excellent or praiseworthy, then yeah, for sure, they're going to think about it. But if it isn't, if it isn't any of these things, they're not going to bother thinking about it. It's of no value to them. Followers of Christ who are like trees planted by streams of water have transformed thought lives. Not only that, they have transformed feelings. They're filled with healthy, life-giving feelings. Rather than be weighed down and burdened with the feelings that rob us of our life, you know what I'm talking about? These kind of people are filled with godly, life-giving feelings. Because they believe God's word and what God's word says about them, they feel in their lives exactly what they believe. Because their thoughts are always on God, they feel the presence of God with them. You're going to notice in these people's lives that emotionally, they're deeply characterized by love. They love a lot of good things, but they love people. They love their life. They love who they are. It doesn't matter if their life is filled with difficulties. They're still thankful for their life. They emanate a joy from their inner selves in spite of their circumstances. Last night I was watching a video with my wife of uh, Johnny Erickson Tata was being interviewed. And anybody know who she is? She's a woman who, when she was just a teenager, she dove off of a dock and into the water and she hit her head on a rock and it, it paralyzed her from the neck down when she was a teenager. She has lived the remainder of her life in a wheelchair, paralyzed from the neck down. She's had cancer twice. She deals with chronic pain every day of her life. And you know what? This woman, she loves Jesus. She loves Jesus. In fact, the whole time in the interview, she had this huge smile upon her face. People had to, her nose was running. People had to come up and wipe it from her because she couldn't do it. And yet she had this huge smile talking about Jesus. In spite of the chaos happening all around these kind of people, they experience a peace that transcends all understanding. It doesn't make any sense, but they experience it. Because of what they know about God, that He is for them and He's never against them, no matter what, they don't let themselves indulge and dwell on thoughts of fear or rejection or failure or hopelessness. Why? Because they know better. They know that thoughts produce feelings, so they're not going to think on those kind of thoughts. Reminds me, when I was meditating on this, I was thinking about the story of Paul and Silas. Remember that story where they were in a town, I think, called Derby, and they were preaching the kingdom of God, and, and this young girl comes up to him who had a demon. And Paul casts out the demon, and it caused an uproar. And the owners of the slave girl, they bring him, Paul and Silas, to the magistrate, and they're like, these guys are stirring up trouble, and they need to be punished. And so the magistrate had Paul and Silas beaten with rods. I mean beaten with rods and thrown into jail with shackles around their ankles. Now, if those of you who have heard the story, tell me, when they got thrown into jail, what did they begin to do? They began to sing praises and worship God. Now, do you see what I'm talking about? That's not normal. <laughs> that kind of, those kind of feelings emanating from human beings who've just been beaten is not normal. But that's what people who are planted by streams of water 
experience. What about the heart of people like this? The heart or the spirit or the will, those three perspectives we talked about. Well, I guess you could say it like this. They are men and women after God's own heart. What does that mean? Well, simply put, it means that these people are devoted in their heart to doing what is good and what is right. They're devoted to it. It's burnt into their will. It's it's what their spirit longs for all the time. Also, one thing about you'll notice about these kind of people is that these people really don't focus on making sure to get their own way. In fact, others are their focus. They care about the interest of others. Here's a verse in Philippians that explains kind of what these people are like. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others, what? Better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the what? Interest of others. And you know what? For these kind of people, these are easy and good words. Why? Because they know that Jesus said the greatest in the kingdom of God is the servant. And they take the commands of Jesus as, hey, that's the way life is supposed to be lived. So serving others, it's just right. They don't have to think about it. They don't waffle back and forth, should I do this or should I do this? No, they just do what is right effortlessly because it just makes sense to them. They know what is right and they do it. They're literally sold out to God's will. This is what their heart looks like. They are men and women after the heart of God. But it doesn't stop there. Men and women who are like trees planted by streams of water also realize that their body, their flesh and blood body, plays a role in holiness. And so therefore, their body has been trained to assist them in doing what is right. They've done what is necessary to train their body to do what is right and to do it effortlessly. That's what the training is for. The body is always poised to do what is right and what's good. You know that phrase that we often hear? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That phrase doesn't apply to these kind of people. Because they realized that when Jesus said that, he wasn't just putting a stamp on humanity like this is going to be forever the cause. No, they realized that when Jesus said that, he was speaking to a bunch of disciples who that was their condition. But they realized that that can be overcome with training. And so these kind of people, they train. People planted by streams of water have put to death the habits that were still dwelling in the parts of their body that were part of their sinful nature, and they have learned to make their their body an ally in Christ-like living. The Spirit has taken over their body, and they're now using their body for righteousness. So consequently, you don't see these people acting before they think. You don't see their tongues lashing out and ripping someone to the ground before they think. You don't see their fists coming out and punching people before they think. No, these people, their body parts are used for good. And let me tell you, people living like this, they stand out in the world that we currently live in. Let me tell you. What about the social context of these kind of people? What does that look like? What vision do we see in their lives when how they relate to other people? Well, I think we could simply say is they love people just like Jesus loves us. In their relationship with others, 
these kind of people are completely transparent. They don't have to hide behind any false pretense. They can be real. Not only that, because of their confidence in God, they don't try to manipulate or manage other people. They don't go on the attack with other people. Now, here's another thing about these kind of people. These people who are like trees planted by streams of water. They avoid dark, sinful things. But you know what? These kind of people still love the people who indulge in these things. And that's huge to me. You know, I've grown up in a setting where sometimes people who uh, were involved in sinful activities, people would just distance themselves. Like, I don't want to be part of that. I just want to stay away from those kind of people. Those are not the people I want to be hanging out with. But let me ask you something. When Jesus was here on this earth, what kind of people did he hang out with? Sinners. Exactly. Jesus said this. He goes, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. And these kind of people, they realize that. And, and even though they themselves don't participate in these evils act, they love the people that do. They know how to separate themselves from the sin and the sinner. And that's a huge deal when it comes to our social context. These kind of people understand what fellowship is. You know, we, that's a word that we throw around in churches today. It's like, we need to have fellowship. And so this weekend on Saturday, the men are going to get together for breakfast and we're going to have a time of fellowship. Sunday, we're going to have a potluck for fellowship. It's always centered around food. You notice that, Christians? We, we like fellowship around food. You know, honestly, I don't think we understand what true fellowship is. But these people do. You want to know why? Because they walk in the light. First John, it says this, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Because they walk in the light, meaning they live lives of obedience, they're able to have real fellowship with others, especially other disciples of Jesus who are doing the same thing. These kind of people have learned to take down the walls of defense around them. And they have allowed people to come close and be able to love them, knowing, knowing that they might get hurt in the process. They might get attacked in the process, but it doesn't matter to them because they know that God is for them. And if God is for them, it doesn't matter who's against them. And that truth allows them to love others as Jesus has loved them. And that's the reality of these people's social context. So there we have it. Men and women who are like trees planted by streams of water have transformed thought lives. They're filled with healthy, life-giving feelings. They are men and women after God's own heart. Their, their body has been trained to assist them in doing what is right. They love people the same way that Jesus loves us. And as you well know, these kind of people are vastly different from the world around us. They're transformed. They bear fruit in season. Their leaves do not wither. Whatever they do prospers. They're vastly different from the people of this world. As vastly different as that first tree that I saw on day one to the second tree I saw on day five. Now, if you've noticed this whole sermon, I have been using the term these kind of people. 
These people who are like trees planted by streams of water. These kind of people. I've been kind of stating it in third person. However, I, I want you to know that this is about you. This can be your destiny. This can be your outcome. This can be your life. If you choose to truly apprentice yourself after Jesus and apply the principles we've talked about in this series and never give up, then bit by bit and day by day, you're going to find yourself changing and becoming more like Jesus Christ himself. Now, Whitestone, listen to me. I know that we are a microwave society. We like things now. I mean, we want it to happen right now. But let me tell you, these things that I've talked about today, they take time. And I know that sometimes that can be discouraging, but it's the truth. We have to settle with the reality that this kind of transformation takes time. Like this tree, this tree did not grow up overnight. It didn't suddenly sprout branches that could stand up against the wind. It didn't suddenly grow a trunk this big around. This was years and years and years of growing. Transformation takes time. But guys, if we keep seeking and we keep training and we keep applying these principles, the transformation, listen to me, will happen. We will come to the point where doing these things in each one of our human dimensions, it will just come effortlessly. It won't be hard. It will come easy. It's as simple as the analogy of weightlifting. Sorry I keep bringing up the gym. New Year's resolution. But it is. I remember when I started in high school, I started weightlifting my sophomore year. And I went in there and there's these dudes, they put the step up and they put the big 45s on each side, you know, and the big round weights. And I'm like, put fives on the bar and I'm like, you know, trying to get it up and struggling. And I'd look at these guys like, man, I want that. I want to be able to do that. I wanted so bad to try it. But whenever I tried, it would just slam down on my chest and I couldn't do it. And it was a little bit discouraging at first, but I trained and I trained and I trained and I lifted and I lifted. And by the end of my sophomore year, I was able to put 45s on the bar and be able to push it up. And as I continued to train and train, now putting the 45s up at the end of my senior year, I could do it effortlessly. I didn't even have to think about it. It just came natural. Why? Because I trained. Guys, when we do this, when we apply ourselves to these principles, I'm telling you, taking thoughts captive, it will be easy. Having our life characterized by love is going to come easy. Doing what is right is going to come easy. Loving others as Jesus loved us will come easy. I promise you, the transformation will come. You want to know why? Because God's grace is going to do things in, in us that we could never do on our own, transforming us into the very likeness of Jesus Christ himself. If you seek God with all your heart, what does Scripture tell us? You will what? You'll find him. You'll get to know him. And when you get to know him, which is eternal life, by the way, you will profoundly start to look like him. You'll start to act like him. You'll start to think like him. You will take on his nature. You'll take on his divine life. And that, my friends, is why Jesus came in the first place. So that you and I can and will experience this in our current life right now. We don't just have to wait for heaven. We can experience this right now. Amen?
Guys, listen to me. I want, I want you to hear this. It is high time that we stop living for ourselves. It is high time that we stop trying to do things our way. We need to stop listening to the things this world and all of its ideas that try to tell us that life is about us. Life is about pleasing yourself, making a name for yourself, staking your claim in this world and living it to the fullest. Because let me tell you, I'm sorry, but that is a lie. It's a lie. It's not true. Don't believe it for a second because Jesus said this. He said this. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and then forfeit his soul? What good? Jesus also said this. If you cling to your life, you will what? But if you give it up for me, you will what? Save it. Listen to me, Whitestone. Please hear this. Life is about Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about money. It's not about a 401k. It's not about making a name for yourself. It's not about power. It's not about fame. It's not about notoriety. No, life is about Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And guys, here's the truth. We have one life. One life. Are we going to live it for ourselves and lose it? Or are we going to live it for Jesus and gain it? Save it. That's the choice we have before us. And guys, that's the beauty that God has given us. He's given us the beautiful ability to choose. We can choose one or the other, but here's the thing we don't have. We don't get to choose the consequences or the blessings of those choices. Those are inextricably linked to each of those choices. But we get to choose. Are we going to choose Jesus or are we going to choose me? One leads to life. One leads to death. Let's choose life. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much, Jesus, that you came to this earth so that we didn't have to continue to live in death. You came so that we could live out a life, your life, the divine kind of life. God, I pray for every person in this room that as we apply ourselves to these principles, I pray that by your grace we might become like trees planted by streams of water which yield their fruit in season, whose leaves never wither. Whatever they do prospers. I pray that you would do that work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, one life. We've got one life. Is it going to be about me or is it going to be about Jesus? Is it going to be about death or is it going to be about life? Let's choose life. Amen? Amen. Guys, I love you so very, very much. I'm so glad I get to do life with you. Let's keep running after Jesus with every fiber of our being. Have a great week and we'll see you on Christmas Eve.